him in praises and worship. Just even thinking about that last song, it is well with my soul. Being considering that the, the subject that we are about to deal with um, this morning from James, we continue with our series from James, James chapter 1. We're looking at James chapter 1. Uh, and today our point of focus will be verse 3. James chapter 1, verse 3. Um, we looked at verse 2 um, last week, and today we are considering uh, verse 3. And we're still on that subject of responding to trust, right? Responding to trust. So let me read from God's word. Follow me as I read. I read from chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, and then we continue with the word of God for us this morning. This is God's word. Let us hear him. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is God's word for us this morning. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you that we can come before you and hear from you. Your faithfulness in giving us your word and moreover giving us your Holy Spirit who helps us understand your word. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds and draw us to yourself as we dive into your word. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. You fight like you trained. You fight like you trained. In, in other words, um, our training has great influence on the way we fight. If, if a boxer has a match three months ahead, and instead of training for it, in preparation for the match, he relaxes and eats archer and drinks fizzy drinks. He, he is likely not to make it uh, to the second round when the match comes, right? He, he's likely to be beaten in the first round. He, his lack of training will betray the way he fights. Now, this principle is true even, even in the Christian life. Our, our response to trials of various kinds is the product of our training through the word of God. Our response to temptation, to sin, is, 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 is the product of our training through the word of God. God in his grace uses his word to prepare our hearts to face trials, to, 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 to face difficult times. And, and this underscores the importance of Bible reading and paying attention to the preaching of the Word of God. You see, Bible knowledge is not one of those things that we, we shelf under things I know in our memory banks with no bearing on our everyday lives. It is not just, you know, um, a, a memory that we, we have and, and it has no... Um, application or, 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 or practical influence in the way we do lives. 
we, we should view our Bible reading and hearing of the priest word as being the training room, as being the gymnasium of life. Because sooner or later, we will enter the arena of life in which we will be tested, in which our training will come in handy. This is the idea that James has in mind in verse 3 here. He, he wants to remind his believers that counting it joy when they are in trials is something that they, need, they, they had been taught before. They were taught about the inevitability of, of trials, that though they be unexpected, they will come. And when they do come, these Christians are to respond as they have been taught, right? As they have been trained. They were in the gymnasium of life, and so they must respond the way they have been trained. You fight like you trained. Last week we saw in verse 2, the first way to respond to trials in a godly way is with a joyful attitude, right? A joyful attitude. And secondly, in verse 3, what we see, the second way of responding to trials in a godly way is with an understanding mind. An understanding mind. Look at verse 3 with me. Verse 3 says, uh, uh, just to give you context from verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. L look at the conjunction 4 in verse 3. It introduces us to the reason why verse, why verse 2 is possible, right? When he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, he gives us the reason why it is possible to count it all joy when we, when we face these trials rather than to complain or rather than to be anxious about them, rather than be fearful. He, he, he gives us the reason that undergirds this counting it joy. He says you should count it joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The Apostle Paul here communicates the, the same idea as to why we rejoice in our sufferings. He says in, in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to verse 5, listen to what Paul says. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us in other words what Paul is saying here is that sufferings do not come without a purpose there is a purpose for which God uses trials in the lives of his children to, to produce endurance and endurance producing character and character producing hope that does not put us to shame. To put it another way, sufferings shape us and, and conform us to be more and more like Christ. And that should cause us to rejoice. It should cause us to rejoice when we see the big picture that God has in mind. 
we respond with an understanding mind. I want you to notice here, because sometimes when we read the Bible, right, we, we just read and we read very fast. But I want us to be slow. I want us to notice here what James says. He says, for you know. Stop right there. For you know. That word, you know. This gives us the idea that these Christians were instructed or, or, or taught about trials and, and, and the purpose for which they come. He's, he doesn't say, know this. He, he assumes that they already know because what? They have already been taught. Right? They, they knew what the word of God said about trials. And this is very important. This is a very important point. We would do well not to miss. As Christians, we must be familiar with the word of God, and this will help us when we face trials. Knowing God's word is the best weapon in responding to trials. Christians, in other words, must have knowledge of the word of God. The, the Apostle Paul's prayer here uh, um, to, 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 the, to the Colossians is that in, in, in Colossians chapter 1 is that they may be filled with knowledge of, his, of, of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Again, he instructs them in, in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Let it dwell richly in you. The, the psalmist continues to give a description of how to spot a blessed man. Right? Today we have ideas of what a blessed man is. And some of these ideas are, are not even scripturally bound. They are uh, 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 materially bound. We, we think that blessing, when we spot a blessed man, is a man who comes wearing a suit that costs about 12,000 rands. It's a man who, who lives in a, in a house that um, costs about 3 million or, or whatever uh, uh, millions of rands that you can think of. We, we think about blessing in terms of external uh, material possessions but uh, uh, when the psalmist describes a blessed man he talks about internal spiritual realities that are wrought by God in him Psalm chapter 1 he describes a blessed man in verse 1 and then in verse 2 he says about this man his delight is in the law of the Lord and, and in his law he meditates day night he thinks about God's word he looks at life through the lens of God's word he views the world through what God says in his word and again God charges young Joshua about his word who is about to lead a large nation of Israel saying in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 this book of law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on a day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For, when you, for, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You see, a proper response to trials, uh, issues, or comes from a knowledge of the word of God. It, it comes from the fact that we spend time in the word of God. So when trials come, we respond by recalling the word of God. It is without a doubt that the knowledge of God's word is very important. It cannot be overemphasized. 
You see, before a physician uh, performs an actual operation on a living person, they have to undergo intensive training at a medical school in order to be trained and prepared for dealing with uh, uh, dealing and treating patients effectively. Think about it. No one in their right minds would allow a medical student in their third year of study to perform a life-threatening operation on them, right? Even a minor operation, if you found out that this person is in their third year of studying, you wouldn't trust them. Not even their professors would allow them to do that. But when they are fully qualified, we can be sure that they are able to do their job effectively. And in doing their job, they draw from the years of extensive training that they have undergone. In the same way with Christians, James says to them, what he's essentially saying to them here is that you have been instructed about these things. The, the word of God was faithfully taught to you about trials and the purpose for which they come. Now is the time to put that knowledge into practice. Right? They were in Jerusalem, probably feeling a bit of, of comfort. And, 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 and God, here's, here's the plan of God. Just, this is amazing. God wanted believers, remember Acts chapter 1, right? To go, and, and, and Jesus wanted them to go and be his witnesses. Right? But you read Acts, and, and they are still stubbornly in Jerusalem. He wants them to go in Jerusalem, Samaria, and the rest of the world. They are in Jerusalem, and this is what Jesus Christ does for the progress of his gospel. He brings persecution, and they run away. And when they run away out of Jerusalem, what happens? They are in this community, these ones, and those ones are in the, that community. What happens? They start to talk to their neighbors about the gospel. You see the grand scheme of God's plan. You see how how God works. God is passionate about reaching souls with the gospel. And he has chosen the means of using you and me. And, and one of those means that he uses is through suffering. And the world looks at you and says, where is your God? Psalm 115, right? And that's your opportunity now to talk about your God. James calls them here to put the knowledge that they've been taught into practice. The, the idea of putting the word of God into practice is, is one of the things that concerns James in this epistle. In James chapter 1 verse 22, he commands them saying, be doers of the word. Not hearers only deceiving yourselves. In other words, he's saying, practice what you learn from the word of God, right? If the word of God says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, that is exactly what you should do. Anything outside of that just won't do. Think about this. The way of trying whether a good soldier is to go down to battle. Um, the, way that, uh, the way of trying whether a soldier is 
um, is good, whether you are a good soldier, whether you are a confident soldier, is to go down to battle, right? Or the way to try whether a sheep, a, a sheep is well built. Uh, it is not merely by, by um, sending someone to survey the sheep, to, to look at the sheep, to inspect the sheep, but you send it to see, right? You can inspect it all you want, but it must be sent to see finally, so that we can see um, the strength of the sheep. Again, before a big exam, it is expected of a student to diligently study in preparation to write an examination. In the same way, it is important that as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, always be, we are always prepared for trials of various kinds. The, the slight difference here is that our examination has no set date, right? If, if, if um, I'm currently doing my studies at the moment, and if, if, if they tell me about an exam, they say two months from now, I'll start preparing for it and, and start reading and start studying and start researching on it so that I'm prepared for it. I know there's a set date. Uh, but but uh, trials, you know, that, that test, that examine Christians, are not, there's no date where it is said that on this day you will be tried, right? It can happen anytime. In fact, it can happen immediately after you leave this place. It can happen anytime. Although they are not expected to, to come, they come by surprise. We are to be ready when they come. These trials that um, these Christians were facing where we're considered, uh, James calls them the testing of your faith. The, the Greek word testing is from the word dokimion, um, meaning to try or, or to prove whether something is genuine or not. To see if something is, is truly what it is. Right? Rick Holland um, quotes John MacArthur's description of the way jewelers use water to test the authenticity of diamonds. And this is what he says. Listen to, 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 to this. Sometimes when you read quotes, um, it's easy for people to drift away, right? So, so please bear with me as I look at this. Listen to this description. One sure way to test the genuineness of a diamond is by means of what jewelers call the water test. An imitation never shines as brilliantly as a real one. But the contrast is not always easy to detect under ordinary conditions. Jewelers know that placing a genuine diamond and, a, and an imitation one side by side in water will reveal the differences. The real one continues to sparkle brilliantly underwater, whereas the fake one loses practically all its sparkle. In the same way, a genuine Christian and an imitation one are hard to tell apart under ordinary conditions. But when a real Christian is viewed alongside a fake, a fake Christian under the water of adversity, you can see the difference, right? 
the fake one loses its apparent brilliance. However, when a true child of God is put under the water of trial, he will shine as brilliantly as ever. Right? When trials come, yes, we grieve. Yes, we cry. Even through the tears, we still say, though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Though I am in this pain, though I feel this pain, through these tears, yes, I'm crying and weeping, but I trust him. I, I, I will never leave him. I will hold fast to him because he holds fast to me. Trials do come. And they come to Christians and to non-Christians. They, they come to real Christians and fake Christians. But we will see the difference in the response. The, the faith of a Christian does not show its true brilliance until it is put under the water of trial. The, the intended purpose is, the intended purpose of, of various kinds of, of trials that James talks about here is not to destroy your faith, but to strengthen it. I like what Spurgeon says. Listen to, to what Spurgeon says here. He says, trials are like a fire. They burn up nothing but the dross. And they make the gold all the purer put down the testing process as a clear, as a clear gain and instead of being sorry about it count it all joy when you fall into in, into diverse trials for this bestows upon you a proof of your faith and it's true right fiery trials produce golden christians the reason for this uh, testing of faith is not that they will is here stated that in verse 3 that they produce steadfastness God brings these trials to produce steadfastness in you the word produce means to, to work out to, to bring out as a result and the reason why God brings trials here is to test your faith with the goal of working out in you steadfastness the, the word steadfastness it comes from the Greek word um, huponen, right? Huponen. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's from two words, right? It's, it's a compound word. It's a combination of two words. Those two words are under and to remain. The, the idea here is, going, is being able to, to hang in there even when the trials of life press you down. No, not giving up because things are tough. You, 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 you continue to remain under and to, 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 to bear it, not just for the sake of bearing it. As I said, we are not like Stoics, right? The, the, the goal for the Stoics, uh, Stoic philosophers, is just to, 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 to bear it. The, the goal for, for Christians is not just to bear it. It produces, bearing uh, uh, under trial produces maturity in the faith. It, it conforms us more and more into Christ-likeness. Think about the church in Thessalonica. It was going through various kinds of trials. They, they, they were being persecuted for their faith. And, and the Apostle Paul being mindful that some, some might be tempted to give up 
the faith, under the weight of the trials they were facing, he, he sent Timothy, right? He sent Timothy to this church to encourage them and to, to, to stand strong in the faith. And this is what he says in First, Tim, First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 to 3. Listen to what he says. He says, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, listen, to exhort and, to, and establish you in your faith, that no one be moved by these trials. For you yourself know that we are destined for this. What are we destined for in this world? Destined for these trials. I know it's, it's not something that people like to hear these days, right? When people talk about destiny, they talk about moving into things that are materially uh, good for you. But uh, the Apostle Paul wouldn't be invited in, in most churches that appear on TBN, right? He, he wouldn't be invited because he would preach a different message and they would kick him out and you are you are sending our people away by your message. Later, Paul writes to this church again. He writes to them in First Thessalonians, and he writes the second letter. And this letter he writes to the same church. He's, he's encouraged now. I got it. Timothy, my, my sotu came out. <laughs> Timothy was sent to, to the church um, to, to establish them and to exhort them. Now he comes back with good news and Paul writes to them encouraged. They resisted the urge to quit. Uh, they did not collapse under the weight of trial. Second Timothy, Paul is excited. He's writing to them. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 4. Listen to what he says. He says, therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring, your steadfastness. Paul says we boast about you. Wherever we go, every church that we go to, we boast about the Thessalonians. Say those believers, they are facing great trial, but they are steadfast, they are enduring, they are continuing in the faith. It is God's will that your faith should be tested by trials of various kinds. And his goal is not to destroy you, but to strengthen and establish, and, and establish your faith. We should not think that we are outside the will of God because we are going through trials, because we are facing the death of a loved one, or, or, or sickness, or, or, or loss of employment, or persecution for the faith, or failing an exam, and many other, other trials. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says to, to the believers in First Peter chapter 4, verse 19, when we talk about the will of God. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. If you are to memorize any verse from this sermon, this is the verse that you are to, to, to memorize. Listen. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. Do you hear that? <laughs> let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We don't need commentaries and, uh, and, 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 and Greek apparatus to see what, Paul, what Peter is saying here. Peter is saying you can suffer according to God's will. 
God is actively involved in our trials, and we should know that he's faithful and wise in his actions. That what he does in our lives will work out for our good and for the glory of his name. Psalm, the, the, the psalmist in Psalm chapter 119, verse 75, he says, In faithfulness you have afflicted me. Now listen, listen carefully. In faithfulness you have afflicted me. Not in anger. Right? In faithfulness. But I want to, I want to press on this point even more. The, the Hebrew word here for faithfulness is, 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 can be translated with a desire to build. With a desire to build. So what the psalmist is essentially saying to God is that with a desire to build, you have afflicted me. This knowledge that God uses trial to not, not to destroy us uh, should encourage us to trust in him with complete surrender in the midst of affliction. Because he does so what? With what? With a desire to build. Now I want to ask you this morning, how do you react to trials when you experience them? How do you respond to trials? Do you respond according to God's word? Or do you respond according to your own desires and wanting your will to be done and not God's will? Our response to trials demonstrates the weakness or the strength of our faith. It, it demonstrates where our hope truly lies. Right? It, it demonstrates whether we count our lives of any value or what. Our response to trials demonstrates whether we trust God or we trust the things that we have. When they are taken away from us, our hearts are taken away from God. Or our hearts cling to God. How do you respond? You see, each time we overcome a trial, we get stronger spiritually. God puts each one of us in the school of godliness, where we are instructed, where we are trained, where we are in this gymnasium of godliness. But he does not only do that, right? He's like an eagle that cares for us in the nest. And when time comes, he removes the comfort of the nest, and the nest will start being uh, 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 thorny, and we want to get out and fly. Each one that receives the training with faith will develop a stronger character of perseverance. I want to, I have so much to say, but I want to, I want to leave it here. Um, I want to encourage you, actually, one, the thing that is coming to my mind, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to, to have a ministry of, of suffering. Um, this sounds weird, I know. We, we go through suffering, and, and God works in our lives at that moment. God molds us, and, and he crafts us, and he strengthens us 
he shows us who he truly is at that moment. And when we get out of the trial, we are in a community of believers that are working in this journey of sanctification. As I said that there are categories, right? There are those who have been in a trial. There are those who are at the moment in a trial. And those who are going to be in a trial. Let me encourage you. Those who have been in a trial and are out of the trial, whatever the trial is, it is the grace of God that has been bestowed upon you to have a ministry to those who are about to be in the trial or who are currently in the trial or who will be in the trial. God is calling you. The comforts that he has given you through him in that moment of grief, in that moment of pain, in that moment where you did not know what you are going to do, but you got out anyway. God is calling you to have this ministry to others who are in the midst of trial. God is calling you to grieve with those who are grieving. God is calling you to weep with those who are weeping. God is calling you to wrap your arms around those who do not know what they are going to do because they are in this trial. I want you to see how God is using trials to build a community for himself and is preparing us for glory. I want you to see Christ working in you and using you to be an encouragement to others. Don't waste your trials. Don't waste your sufferings. Let them be a ministry to others who are currently in a trial. Amen. Lord, we love you. We, we truly love you. Yet we find ourselves a lot of times when we are in trial questioning your ways. But you remain faithful, Lord. You remain faithful. Because you cannot deny yourself. You cannot change your ways. Even though at times we lose hope and lose faith. And lose our trust in you. But you continue to hold us fast. Teach us your ways, oh God. Teach us, oh God, so that we may be a blessing to others. We may be an encouragement to others. That you may be honored in our lives at every point, in every way. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.